Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. I imagine that there are all kinds of ways to wake up on Christmas morning. Children sneak into a sibling's room to cajole them to get a first peek at the tree. I imagine that some of you woke up at a civilized time, managed a coffee pot, and took in the quiet of Christmas morning. But I just want to know, did anyone else find themselves rudely awakened on Christmas morning by little fingers poking them in the eye? Did anyone else find themselves pulled out of bed by little hands that, for that moment only, seemed to have superhuman strength? Did anyone else find themselves shaken from sleep by eager little mouths hollering, It's Christmas, Daddy. Come on! Thirteen or so years running, that's been my Christmas morning. Since our oldest, Grace, now 17, was three or four years old. And it became clear that on Christmas morning, Grace was in control. There are some people in our lives that shake us from our sleep like a child does to a parent on a Christmas morning. There are some people in our lives that shake us from our sleep, our rest, our peace, on Christmas morning and on other mornings. Something's going on with someone you care about and you just can't sleep. Something's going on with someone at work and you just can't sleep. Something's going on with your health and you just can't find peace. You can't sleep. And so it was for Simeon. Simeon, like many of us, has someone on his mind, someone that's keeping him from sleep. He is restless because he's been told by the Holy Spirit that one day before he dies, he's going to set eyes on the Savior of the world. And Simeon is a devout man. He is known all over town for his steady practice of prayer and worship. He may be getting old, but his eyes sparkle up when he tells people about what the Lord has in store. And he tells anyone that will listen, that the Lord has something in store. And that sense of anticipation, the feelings of, of restlessness that Simeon has, it's almost more than he can bear. Someday Simeon feels like he's gonna burst, but 
the Holy Spirit is upon him. And so he wakes up every morning and he goes to the temple and he daydreams about what God is, is going to accomplish and how it will look afterward and when that day will come. And in the back of his mind, he wonders if today will be that day. Have you ever wondered if today will be the day? Like Simeon, I know a bit about waiting for a baby. All four of our children were born about two weeks after their due dates. Waiting for Grace, our firstborn, was the most difficult. And we were so young. And we kind of thought that due dates were really that, even the day the baby came due. How many times we wondered if today will be the day. And we couldn't sleep. Well, my wife couldn't sleep, which meant that I couldn't sleep. And we picked carelessly at our food and we studied every feeling that she had in hopes that this time was the real time. Like many who are restless, like many who yearn for peace, we felt like we had no control of our own situation. For the day of her birth, baby Grace was in complete control. Grace was in control. The day finally did come for Simeon. I wonder if it felt like any other day. I wonder if he did all the things that he normally did that day. He combed his silver hair, scrubbed his wrinkled face, and ate breakfast across from the love of his life. I wonder if the day he'd been waiting for was just like any ordinary day. I hope it was. I hope it was an ordinary day because for many of us today is an ordinary day and tomorrow will be an ordinary day. And I wanna believe that these in-between days and all our ordinary days are packed with the potential for God to change us and the world in extraordinary ways. The text doesn't tell us where in the temple Simeon first sets his eyes on the baby Jesus, but I got the feeling he meets them at the door. Can you see him? With long strides, he lopes over to the new family, and with one motion, he drops everything in his hands, his stick, his papers, his money, everything he holds, and he scoops up that eight-day-old boy in his arms. Of course, the text doesn't tell us what he dropped, but he had to. We all have to drop something if we want to hold peace. What would you have to drop in order to hold peace? It is a powerful image 
if you let it linger in your thoughts. Simeon dropping his things, dropping his guard for the chance to hold Jesus. He's old, but it doesn't matter that he's old. He's a man, but it doesn't matter that he's a man. He's been waiting, but it doesn't matter how long. What matters is that when the opportunity comes for him to hold peace in his arms, he lets go of everything and he holds it. Now, Master, he prays, you are dismissing your servant in peace. And Simeon, always the faithful watchman, watches his restlessness depart. Ours departed too. It should be clear to everyone by now that we finally did have grace. Well, to clarify, my wife Ari had grace and I was present. And when she was born, the nurses took her almost immediately and checked her out. And I was overjoyed when she passed her first tests. I beamed like the proud papa that I was right up until they told me to dress her. And I began to sweat. I mean, I know that my wife had just endured many hours of hard labor, but trusting a newborn is a lot of pressure. I had not practiced. There are no classes. And for the first time, I pulled her little arms through that onesie and squeezed her squashy head into a knit cap and she cried <laughs> and she cried and she cried and my first words to her were grace we will get through this the first words her father ever said to her Eventually, I succeeded in getting her dressed, and then she spent some time sleeping with her mom. And after a while, our nurse came in and offered to take Grace for the night so that we could get some sleep. And we hesitated at first. We just got her, and now we're supposed to hand her over to you? And the nurse didn't wait. She took one look at these new parents, came in and shuffled the baby out. And she said, this will be the last good night's sleep you will have for a while. And she was right. That night on the hospital pullout was the last good night's sleep I've had in 17 years. And it just goes to show if you want peace, if you want a good night's sleep, you've got to let go and accept it just as we reluctantly accepted the nurse's offer. Let go and know grace is in control.
We are in between things right now. We are in between Christmas and Easter. In between pandemic and post-pandemic. In between insecurity and security. In between visits to family and time around full tables. The due date on this pandemic has come and gone and every single one of us looks forward to the next season of life, to whatever is after this in between time. One of you said to me recently, we keep trying to see around the corner on this thing, but we just can't. And as true as that is, and because it is, peace is elusive. But here's the thing, I know what is around the corner. It is the same thing that Simeon found around the corner. Picture him again. While he still holds the Christ child in his hands, it occurs to him what a terribly difficult journey lay ahead. He sees in his mind's eye the pain that is to come, and he looks at these two young parents and is overcome with grief. They're not prepared, they're not qualified or experienced enough to face what he knows is yet to come. And he looks Mary in the eye and he tells her all about the rise and fall of Israel and how one day she'll bury this baby. And if it isn't difficult enough to tell this teen mom the bad news, it is even more difficult to let them go. After all this time waiting, Simeon is tempted to hold on. After all this time waiting, he is tempted to take him for his own, to protect him, to fix him, to save him from the burden of saving us. He knows, he thinks he knows what is around the corner. But as the parents move away from him, he follows behind at a safe distance. And they meander through the temple. And he carefully trails them and tries to be invisible. And he peers around every corner. And at one point, he comes up short as they stumble upon an old prophetess that bumbles around the temple day and night. We will hear more about her next week. She's been roaming these halls for longer than anyone can remember. From his perch, only a few feet away, Simeon can see that they're laughing together. They're blessing one another. They're praying. And mysteriously, Simeon's heart leaps. With all that lies ahead for this child, God has made a way. It's not just up to Simeon. There's a whole community of people, people like that prophetess, readying for his coming. She is just the first of many. And her name, that prophetess, Anna. Which, of course, in Hebrew means grace. Grace was around the corner. It was around the corner for the Holy Family. 
It is around the corner for us in this in-between time. It is true that we don't know much about Jesus' childhood, what happens between the manger and the miracles. It is true that we don't know the toys that he played with or the friends that he made. We don't know if he poked his father in the eye to wake him up on special mornings. But what we do know from the last line of today's passage is that God's grace was upon him. And we do know that on account of him, that very same grace, God's unmerited favor, is upon all of us. And we do know that on account of him, God's grace is in control. It is just around the corner. And it is enough for Simeon, for me, for you. It is enough for us to be right here in this time and still rest. Amen.